Celtic Stuff Live. With your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. He's John, I'm Justin, and we're back. We predicted a one and one Then we waited another game. <laughs> so we got the one win right, but there were two losses, and neither one of us predicted the correct win uh, because they were 0-2 against the Clippers and the Nuggets, finishing up that West Coast swing. And, of course, we've got Kemba Walker to talk about. The team really played with injuries, and as you watch this sort of tightly, ugly contested matchup buddy healed going bananas for the second matchup in a row against the Celtics on Monday night you kind of can see the depth issues here they're running lean they called Tremont Waters up which was great because both he and Edwards definitely infused at least some energy and a very lackluster return to the home court so John I don't know where we start on this one I just I'll say this I am ready for Gordon Hayward to get back out on the floor. He is a straw, one of the many straws that stirs the drink. But, man, the year he was having, the ball movement, I miss. I miss the ball movement when Gordon Hayward is out on the floor. It's also there with Walker. There's something special about what Gordon brought to start this year, and I want it back, and it's great to see him shooting uh, the ball. He's catching passes with only the righty but he's putting the shots up two-handed, so it's coming. It's just a matter of letting those bones fuse so there's no reoccurrence. Seems like a good plan, <laughs> letting bones fuse when they were formerly broken. I'm down with it. No, yeah, they they clearly miss – that's what they miss most of all. They miss the ball movement. They miss, you know, that captaining of a play. You know, they miss it with Kemba out, truthfully. I mean, even, even with just Kemba, um, though he's not – you know, Magic Johnson out there, he clearly knows how to run a team and, and to get people in spots and at least to get his own offense going, which then creates opportunities for others. We certainly saw that in L.A. We saw that in the first part of the Denver game uh, somewhat, though he wasn't having the best game overall. Uh, definitely in the Phoenix game. Uh, you know, I thought he's, you know, he's been playing fine and, and, you know, he's had his difficulties. He had his difficulty in the Clipper game, uh, but they need his his presence out there without Gordon, without Kemba. There's a lot left undone. And Brad Wanamaker is not the guy to fill that role. Uh, he is not the natural, you know, kind of point guard who comes in and runs a team. Uh, I think a lot of people were hoping that would be his role um, in filling in with Kemba's absence. And maybe he just has a bad game. You go 0 for 8. That makes everyone look, you know, no matter who you are, what position you play, you look bad. But I don't think that necessarily Brad is the guy who, who can come in and run the team. I, I think you look at a guy like Tremont Waters who, you know, had 19 minutes, seven points. He's only two for seven from the field. But just the energy and the way this team played with him on the court, a guy who clearly sees passing lanes, sees plays develop before they occur. He he has that passing gene. He is a point guard through and through. And, you know, as a card-carrying member of the Tremont Waters fan club going back to July, I can't say I didn't see this coming. I mean, and he's exactly what they need right now, as crazy as that sounds. A two-way player who's just the G League player of the week for uh, playing up in the main red claws, he might be exactly what they need until Kemba Walker can return. 
You know, Grant Williams didn't get a lot of minutes uh, in that Sacramento game either. Uh, we saw Rob Williams and obviously Ennis Canner got plenty of time. But Waters is tiny. Like Edwards is shorter and it doesn't look so bad out on the mm-hmm. floor because he's muscular like Marcus Smart. But Tremont looks tiny out there. And then yet he can leap. Even that jump ball in the game, it was pretty was incredible. Awesome. Oh, the way, that was yeah. so great. Just an amazing <laughs> play. And so here's the thing. I, you know, we've seen Carson Edwards be on the bench for a good chunk of the season. But right now we're going to see them both for a little bit. I wonder if they don't flip-flop. I mean, I realize, or can they? Can they even flip-flop? As Car- no. I know he's not a two-way player. They can't even send him down, can they? They could send him down. I mean, they could send him send him down just as they send down like Romeo or or someone like that. All right. But, so I almost wonder if they flip flop on that two way this time around. And the point being, once everybody gets healthy, they can only send Tremont up and down so many times. There's a limit to right. that. So I almost think that they hold him up here for a little while, send Carson down as the team gets healthier, let him get more minutes. Because one of the things that it was obvious, even in this just the Sacramento game, and now he's getting some minutes afforded to him, but he shoots better and with more confidence. With higher minutes. Um, it's just obvious. The more minutes that Edwards is out on the floor, the more likely he is to come around. I feel like he needs a stint in the D League now to take a little bit and process what he's been learning with the parent club. Go go or G League. I keep saying the D League. Go to the G League, get the minutes and uh and get that get those reps back up and get that confidence that he had in summer league and then come back up as he's adjusting to the speed of the NBA game. I think it would be good for him. You got to remember, he remember it's G League. Like you and I are a couple of OGs. That's how you remember it, Justin. Couple, couple of OGs. I said. We were not Cause, ODs. Because no, we're not ODs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the humor, the humor! I say. Oh, uh, dude, we're killing no, it about this show. We're killing it. We are killing it. No, but no, you're right though. Carson Edwards, he does. He needs a stint to kind of get his legs. I thought he looked pretty good though. Six points in 13 minutes. I thought I thought he showed energy out because there because he thought, played more minutes. That's well, my whole thing. But I don't even like, think it's that. I don't even think it's that. I think he played with Tremont and that gave him a burst. I thought those minutes were he he played a little bit without him and it felt like he was trying to feel his way out there. When they put Tremont in next to him, it felt like he kicked up a notch. He's like, ah the whole team my summer league dude. This is my this is my dude from summer league. You know, let's get Taco Fall. Let's get Grant. Let's 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 bring the old Javante. Bring the old team back together and let's roll this like it's Vegas. Green entered in this game because they didn't have a lot of wing depth and I don't think he saw a minute. He's a DMP, right? Yeah, DMP. He I, see, I I find that surprising when they're looking for – I mean, I realize – how many times did Buddy Heal just find himself wide open? Like, even an athletic recovering wing would have been nice. And when you look at the start of the second half, you know, they wound up having Brad Wanamaker come out instead of Semi Ogilvie to start the second half. And even when they started the first half, I thought, that's interesting – that they don't play one of the guards in here or like a Wanamaker instead of Ojale just because, you know, Brown and Tatum, somebody's going to have to come in and back them up, and especially somebody who's a little bit stronger and athletic. I just thought Ojale would have been the guy off the bench, which, again, that's what it was in the second half, but I was kind of surprised. And then for Green to get all those minutes before the injuries, 
you know, especially in later, you know, I realized there were blowout games, but there was a couple of close games, even against the Clippers. He got those minutes. And then all of a sudden it's just like a total DNP against Sacramento today uh, on Monday night. That just seemed weird to me. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I thought they were trying to play point guards. I thought they were trying to find themselves and, and they were trying to fill, fix a hole on the other end of the roster and the ball, the ball movement. You think they were trying to fix just what was happening on offense? Yeah. I think that was the, I think that was the, predominant issue it wasn't to me it wasn't wing depth it was they don't have an engine that makes this thing go and they don't really trust Tatum to do it they don't trust Brown to do it um smart I thought was probably the player of the game for the Celtics I mean not only the stuff plays at the end but really you know he just was so solid all the way through 17 he's like the player of every game we're going to come back to that follow Celtics stuff live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live as well as your host you can follow me at CSL underscore Justin Johns at CSL underscore Duke the entire CLNS media network at CLNS media facebook.com slash CLNS fans download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace and finally youtube.com slash CLNS media for high definition full-length locker room interviews the Garden Report, the Round Table, yours truly, Celtic stuff live. So uh, I, I don't want to get to Marcus Smart yet because absolutely a player of the game, a player of just about every game lately, moved into the starting lineup and, and playing phenomenal. But here's the thing: you said they don't trust Jalen Brown and they don't trust Jason Tatum. Yeah, I don't. I think they trust Jason Tatum just fine because they keep putting the ball in his hands. The thing that is actually bothering me is Jalen Brown has been playing amazing in a limited role. And I feel like they should be getting him more action to kind of get to the paint because especially in the beginning of the Sacramento game on Monday night, like they were just parked out on the perimeter, nobody moving around. And, you know, the big staple of this offense when Kemba Walker's there is that high screen and roll and he'll just come off the pick and pop. And I realize that maybe Jalen's not going to do that. Jalen's much better off the catch and shoot or in the corner. Uh, he doesn't even create. And I know they tried to set him up to create a little bit from, from the top. And, uh, but the, they weren't setting good screens, but I feel like, I feel like you almost have one of those guards and they run a curl and then they just hand it off to Brown and then somebody sets the screen and then Brown goes and attacks. Like, I don't think it would be hard And I think the thing that Jalen is realizing, and I saw it a lot in the game against Sacramento, just how athletically outmatched most defenders are against him. When he does get that little bit of an edge turn in the corner, his leaping ability, especially if he goes up early, they never recover. They can never adjust defensively. It's when he waits, when he gets to the paint that the defenders wind up being able to go up and cause problems at the rim for him. But if he leaps early, in most cases, he's already elevated above the defender, and especially if he does that little scoop shot off the glass. I think we need to see a lot more Jalen trying to get involved attacking in the offense and not just the perimeter catch and shoots. And he has them. He has them in the flow of the offense. I think they need to focal, uh, They need to make it a focus at times. And you know, Lord knows they're giving Tatum the ability to be the focus many, many, many times. And I think they got to figure out a way to do it for both of them. Well, I uh, I, I think and. Let me, that's, I think there's two different things there to me. Uh, Jalen's strengths right now are very um, – they're very blinders on somewhat. Now, he's creating out of those, but his ability to attack the rim um, 
it's still definitely a growing part of his game. I don't think either one of them is amazing creating as the primary creator on the team right now. They both have ways to go and to grow. They both show potential in that area. Well, I mean, wait, creator, is, creator and scorer are two different things. Right. I think they need creators right now. I don't think they need scorers. That's the problem. See, that's why I'm saying you can't put the ball necessarily in their hands. You need someone else who's setting things up and establishing uh, the set. And, And I don't think right now either of those guys are there. They can get buckets, but they can't. Um, I don't think that they're at a point where they can – they're the first touch, and then they're going to create something either for themselves or the team. I don't think that's a, a, a staple of where the Celtics play is right now. But what I would also say is I would say that until tonight – tonight I thought they really did try to get the ball to Tatum. Not so much in the Clipper game. The Clipper game, Tatum goes off that third quarter. He gets one field goal in that in that fourth quarter, which was oh, that was the, a huge the tying issue. three. That made right? no sense. Yeah, and that so made like no that, and a game they should have won. The fact yeah. that they lost that Clippers game was devastating and irritating. But, well, it's but it's but it's to the same thing that I think that you're talking about in a way, in that this is a this is a growing and maturing group of guys. And trying to figure out the right time to give up some, give them some more, um, you know, latitude to to develop and to grow. And then there's times you got to pull it back. And I felt like that Clipper game when Kemba clearly didn't have it going and Tatum did. You feed the horse, right? Now tonight, as we're recording this in the post post game here of of the of the Kings game, it didn't seem like Tatum was getting it going. So to me, that's a situation where okay, let's go to Plan B here. Right. Let's see what Brown can do out there. And Brown's being guarded by uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald. Heald. Yeah, and, those and, are the two primary and defenders. And to me, like I look at that and I, and I see exactly what I, I think what you're saying, which is, look, he's got a matchup. This is the time when you see if Jalen Brown can be a guy who's who, where the team can jump on his back when he's got that situation. I think. The Celtics need to be much more situationally based as to who's getting the call as opposed to, you know, well, it's Kemba time, it's Kemba time, it's Kemba time. I feel like they tried to do that in the Clipper game, and it was not working, and they didn't adjust the focus enough to, I think, Tatum, who did have it going. And to me, tonight is kind of that same idea. I don't think the ball was going enough to the guy who's hot, and I think that's a common complaint and it's this is the time when you see if tatum and or brown can be the guy to to your point right i mean that's this is when you should be trying to do that well yeah and because you've got marcus smart out there who's clearly willing to facilitate that so uh all right hold on one second everybody turkey season is here and betonline.ag wants to celebrate with you (laughs) all right i tried to add some some Holy artist music. You're, you're, you're like your, tur- your turkey's blowing out my ears. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dude, hopefully that was better. Shoot that turkey and cook it. <laughs> In case you didn't notice, turkey season is here. 
EmbedOnline.ag wants to celebrate with you during the massive schedule of college and pro football games on tap this Thanksgiving weekend. Follow the action at BetOnline.ag as week 14 of the college season unfolds. The pro schedule is just as packed as Thanksgiving Thursday kicks off week 13. So before this week starts, head on over to BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and check out the thousands of ways to bet today. Use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Happy Thanksgiving from betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Oh, that was a pretty good turkey call. Are you a turkey hunter? No, I'm just a over exuberant fan of gobbling. <laughs> I don't know. What the oh, hell? Dude. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> dude, this show is so whack today. <laughs> <laughs> the people that stay with us tolerate this. Uh, as God is my witness, I thought turkey. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Should we hit this early and say, if you're still listening? <laughs> I think we got to hit it early. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. I know everybody's trying to get to Thanksgiving. And <laughs> Well, let, I mean, look, everyone the wants content to is good. The jokes are bad. That's the that's jokes are terrible. Hey, the jokes are horrible. Yes. Sir. Uh, <laughs> all right. So speaking of that Clippers game, you know, the Patrick Beverly thing is killing me. Yeah. And it surprises me that my tweet about Markel Fultz crossing up. I think it was Dennis Schroeder, wasn't it? Anyway, poor fool goes stumbling back all the way across the whole half court. And I'm like, but just the flailing of it, almost cartoonish. Oh my Look gosh. to that play. It just so reminds me of Patrick Beverly's antics. And I'm thinking to myself, how did that only get four likes? No retweets and four likes. Like you gotta be kidding me. That that whole that whole line about uh the the best Patrick Beverly impression, you know, there's still time in the season to get yours in. Like, come on. Come on, dude. <laughs> that was the silliest, craziest little flop. Except it was legit, and that's what Patrick Beverly does every freaking game. He's actually getting on my nerves. He's getting on my nerves. After that game on Wednesday, it's hard not to be annoyed by Patrick Beverly. And I think we're probably amongst the long line of NBA fans who've been victimized by uh, by, by 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 Pat Bev. But yeah, and you we know loved when, it when it was LeBron, and now we hate it. Well, you know what I. I I would be more likely to give him his due, and I think probably it's impossible because of who he is and how he views his game, but I'd be much more likely to give him his due had he not kind of been so dismissive of smart. You know, if he said, oh, we're on, you know, yeah, he's a good player, blah, 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 and just kind of went on with it, all right, fine, cool. But he, like, dis- disrespected completely. And so then smart had to... And Smart Rightfully. made the play of the game. He made Absolutely. the play of the game. No question. There, nobody can say they made a better play uh, down the stretch. We didn't wind up on top as, as Celtics fans, but that play was an incredible play. So that, to your point, it's, it's also disrespectful on a night when, you know, regardless of how many threes Beverly hit, which he did hit some clutch shots, there's no doubt. Um, and the Celtics definitely never should have let that one slip away. But despite all of that, Marcus <sighs> Smart still made 
the play of the game. And uh, yeah, so he is. He's I, he's he's just annoying me. I feel like it's getting worse. He's like, I remember how much we hated Reggie Miller for that way back, way back, way back. And he's like the modern day, more flamboyant version of Reggie Miller. Like it's he's way out of control. I, I think you give him too much credit there to call him Reggie Miller. I would say I remember remember my favorite, the front running turd himself. Remember, remember who I used to call the front running turd? Remember that going back? This is going back to the early days. This is to really throw it back for you Celtic stuff. Live listeners going way, way back into the time machine. Which player? You remember who I'm talking about? This is this is going back into the the early days. This is the LeBron I consider it to be the early days of of back when the you front, and I I remember the front running turd comment. Right. And we've probably named at least four shows something that spun off of the front running turd. But there was but the I, first. but I do not remember the first player that you called the, now it can't be Reggie Miller cuz that's no. too easy. No. No. So it must have been somebody that Reggie played with. No, no, no. What's, how does this tie into Reggie? LeBron, LeBron played with him. The first person to join LeBron. No, no, no. It's, that's I'm talking about Mo Williams. Oh yeah, Mo Cleveland Cavaliers. That's right. Who really, if he was he on any box, any right? other team, did he come from the box or did he go to the box? I don't know where he came from or went from, but he was. I think Mo know, acted was, like he had he had single-handedly brought the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers to the to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals every year when the guy were in 23 and the headband had a whole lot more to do with it. But boy, when he 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 cheered like nobody's business. That guy drove me nuts. I hated that guy, Mo Williams. He thought he was the business, and he wasn't. Crap. He was nothing. He was an all-star one year. Don't even know how that happened. That should have never happened. And to me, Pat Bev, Pat Bev is probably a step ahead of that, truthfully, because he's a good defender. But come on now, man. Don't be sitting here starting to disrespect somebody when, you know, you're like uh, you've got your role in your niche for for star teams. But like, look. I mean, no one's going to – the Orlando Magic aren't going to hand you the keys and be like, here, lead our team somewhere. Come on. Know your role, dude. Give me a break. Come on. Yeah, he did. He came from the Bucks to the Cavs. He was with the Bucks for 2004 yeah, to 2008. I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that. I yeah. probably knew that somewhere. But but what's drilled in my brain is front-running turd point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers who acts like he made everything happen when he was just hitting wide-open jump shots because the whole lane was collapsed because of LeBron James. But anyway, I'm over it. Totally over it. It's been a decade. I'm over it. <laughs> It really has because he finished up with Cleveland in 2011, got there in 2008. You're right. It has been a decade. Wow. Imagine. Imagine. I'm totally over it now. And um, about half the time that we've been doing this. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Not quite. Not quite. Two-thirds of the time we've been doing this. But either way. All right. So what else are we going to talk about? The Nuggets, the Resolve, Kemba. We really didn't dive into the Kemba situation. We and we also have Marcus Smart's interview with Zach Lowe. I thought yep. talking a little bit about last year. It was just interesting. I think the way he described the Hayward situation on that on Zach Lowe's podcast really did explain a lot. 
Yeah, you know, you had Jackie Mack talking about how that was dividing the locker room, and you can see how there might have been one or two players that might have said something along those lines. You know, that they had they took issue with it. You know, I could look at a guy like Marcus Morris Sr., who you know wanted those minutes, wound up getting a lot of those minutes moving into the starting lineup. I could, you know, and then sort of like oddly not even getting an offer or a conversation from the Celtics. It makes me almost think that maybe maybe that's where that came from. It, it's easy to see maybe a scenario where one or two players might have felt that way. But the way Marcus talks about it, you know, everybody was wanting him to be able to succeed. And, you know, it was just hard for everybody to just keep trying to force him. And then he's not there. And it was interesting because he also said it wasn't Brad feeding Hayward the minutes, the whole team was kind of feeding the ball and expecting him to do things that he wasn't ready to do because they just really wanted him to be able to come back from that injury, almost like he would be their lightning rod that would take them to the championship, right? And he'll, like his success would somehow, you know, heal the dysfunction of the team to some extent, and it never did happen. But that I can really get, come to grips on. The other thing that was interesting in the interview was how he was talking about people just not opening up and talking about their emotions and you know, he didn't get into it, but he talked about, you know, emotional um, health, you know, and, and everything else and how important that is. And I'm sure that there's some sort of common bond between him and Jalen Brown on that if he's bringing that up. Because Jalen's already spoken up before this Marcus Smart interview, you know, about sharing your feelings and, you know, this whole thing about masculinity and not being able to say that you're struggling and how that's contributed you know, Jalen obviously brought that up on the anniversary of was the second year anniversary of a friend suicide. So, you know, talking about those things, pretty mature kind of thing for guys in their mid 20s and in athletics, because it's true. That's the culture. You know, you don't open up, you don't share. I know John Corrales has talked a lot about that over the years as well and how important that is. And that's been a big big fundraiser i think for for john every year i know he, he does some fundraising for you know suicide prevention and etc so to hear marcus kind of talk about that and he even referenced Kyrie and said you know Kyrie is another guy who was struggling with some things and they just weren't coming together as a team either way he said everybody's freed up feeling better and playing loose and that's the big difference this year i still think there's some personality dynamics that kept that stuff closed up and, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there's still more to that story. But the fact is, this team is cohesive. They definitely gel. They communicate. And I think they're going to make it through the hard times. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it smart was always much more conciliatory about some of the issues surrounding, uh, you know, Kyrie and, and his. And we do need to talk about Kyrie's. Um, sort of return to Boston on Wednesday. Why don't uh, we just? Yeah, we gotta hit that fast. We gotta, we gotta hit that. Maybe that's our outtake. I don't know, yeah. but but I I think that um that's a I, I, I you're right. I thought that he really kind of explained the thought process of what kind of broke what broke down, and I, I agree with you. I think that there's definitely there are personality conflicts, but I think underlying that is really just what he said. Nobody wanted to be open with each other. 
people were were sheltered. They went into their own shells. Um, you know, Kyrie certainly had lost in his family. Marcus had lost in his family. You know, you had everybody, you know, probably pressures of you got to be the man this year. You got to step up. You know, Jalen, obviously, he crumbled a bit as as in terms of his effort early on. And, and of course, what what Gordon was going through. All that stuff made for just a really probably worst case scenario in everyone's mind. And if a couple people break the other way, maybe it doesn't fall the way it does. But so be it. It did what it did. It did. You know, and I also it kind of makes me wonder, you know, Kyrie had a lot of praise for Marcus Smart throughout that season. And I kind of wonder, was that Kyrie kind of projecting what he wished he could have be with his teammates? You know, not having the strength uh, personally to be able to to reach out to his teammates. And yet Marcus was going through loss and he was able to persevere through that and make those connections and be a team player. And Kyrie seemingly wasn't able to to build those those same bridges. So I I just that's just kind of something I'm throwing out there. I don't know if that's true, but I think that that is kind of an interesting piece to all this because that relationship was so close uh, last year seemingly and unfortunately for him um, you know uh, or fortunately for the Celtics um, but unfortunately for the Celtics I guess last year it was spectacularly terrible and uh, so you know now in the afterglow of this even nights like tonight against the Kings you know, missing two max contract players and, you know, really trying to really trying to almost scuffling against the team that's missing their best player in De'Aaron Fox and, and Marvin Bagley, for that matter. Even in that scenario, as Celtics fans, we're still left pretty pleased because we are enduring the hell that was the 2019 NBA season. No, well, instead, what we're enduring is absolutely horrendous officiating in the final minutes. Like, how you miss that foul call on a breakaway? Like, do you oh. really think that that was a clean block that Jalen, that Marcus could be that far out ahead of it and come go on. up and then come nowhere near the rim on a clean block? I, it's the most ridiculous. I just don't, I don't want to get into it, but it's ugly and slowing it down. And going with instant replay and coaches challenge is not fixing the product. And you would have thought that that was the intent. It's not fixing the product. Not what, not one iota. Um, we got, we got some issues in that regard. I mean, that especially at the end of the game like that to watch the replay and not be able to make the rec- the correct call for whatever reasoning behind it is absolutely disgusting. So before we wrap, the one other thing I want to mention from that podcast, because it's come up on this show was the fact that Marcus Smart punched the, uh, picture and got glass in his hand, etc. And I remember that was the only time uh, <laughs> that I got off of the Marcus Smart train for sure. And I and I got off hard. You you jumped that, from a moving vehicle, yes, at 60 miles an hour and landed on my head, and it was brutal. But interestingly, I think you could point to that as the biggest turning point in Marcus's career. Like, that's when things changed. And he says he still has glass in his hand, and he's got a piece of glass from the mirror. And that basically the doctors told him that he was an eighth of an inch away from maybe never playing basketball again. And so he keeps that as a reminder, you know, about the level of maturity he needs to keep 
you know, to, to, to be a great, you know, to be a great teammate, to be a great player and to continue, you know, being blessed, being able to play this sport. But I just, you could hear it in the way that he talked about that. Cause he wanted to dodge it. Zach went after it. He wanted to dodge it. And you could hear the maturity that he's gained since that incident. So it's kind of one of those things, you know, and there's almost like an underdog story or a comeback story from that, or I don't know what it is, but it's a lesson learned. It's a mm-hmm. narrow escape. And, it might have saved Marcus's, you know, I don't want to say saved his career, but just look at the upward trend on three-point shooting and everything else since then. I'm not saying he didn't hustle before. I'm not saying he wasn't a smart player and he wasn't, you know, captain worthy and he wasn't. But that level of maturity, I almost wonder if it just settled him a little bit to see things more clearly. And all of a sudden, his career really did take a much upward trend from that moment on. Uh, yeah. I, I think so. I think he did learn a lot. Um, and he is, you, you just, you listen to that whole, that whole podcast and you just, you can't love Marcus. You don't think you can love Marcus smart more, but you just, you, you do every time you hear the guy talk, you love him and you trust him. Just like Brad Stevens said, you know, I love him and I trust him. And that's, that's, there's no doubt. I mean, <laughs> There are a lot of things I would trust Marcus Smart with that that he probably has no business doing, but you just you, how can you how can you not how can you not trust that guy? God, I hope he's he amazing. Stays. They got him on a real steal of a deal. God, it doesn't I feel like they're gonna. I don't think they can move. I you know I think this whole idea of like you need a big, do you not need a big? Like I would rather go down and go down in the NBA Finals. And feel like, well, at least we went down with our best punch rather than, well, let's deal one of these guys and hope maybe possibly, you know, we might get a, a, a same effort as what, you know, the, the Raptors got from Marcus all. I, I don't think that that's worth the gamble. You know, yeah, I think he takes away. So you're too saying keep they him. are. You're saying you you're it. saying keep him when his contract is up, running it out, pay him. Because well, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about. You know, you can't pay him what twelve million a year again at the end of this deal. You know, and yeah, you're gonna have cool. Brown and Tatum, and I guess Hayward's where the money might come from, but Walker's still gonna be on his deal. Well, yeah, but I mean, what? I mean, I guess I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at kind of where everything is for this team, and and like, you know, I'm thinking more of the short term of like, okay, well, what are they gonna do? I mean, how are they gonna no, make no, a no. move like that? No, I, you I know, mean, I think. I mean, I'm not talking about this year. You got three more years. Yep. So, so Kemba's still under contract for one no, for that, not, right? Not necessarily. Oh, three more after this, so they could time no. at the same. No, let me. No, smartest three more years. Right, he has two more after this year. Let me be. Clear. Oh, okay. So you'd still have a year of Kemba after that. No, he he's a player option. So maybe. You'd have Jalen. Jalen's here. He's the only player. For well, and Tatum, and, but Tatum will be too. Probably he'll be here. So yeah. you're gonna have, you're gonna have near max salaries in Brown and Tatum. Yep. You're likely gonna have Kemba picking up his option at age what 33, right? Now Hayward might be gone, but that you know that could be tough. I mean, but that could, we'll see. But you're gonna but then Smart's gonna be expecting a max deal. You know what I mean? And you're going to have to sign him, I guess, because you're going to have know. to have him for after Kemba. 
I don't know that he's a max player. Even as good as he's playing, I don't think he's a max player. Well, it's definitely more than $12 million. He's more than $12 million. He could get Jalen Brown money. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he gets Jalen Brown money near that, but but maybe a hair a touch below that because he's not he's he's never I don't think he's ever gonna be the type of punishing scorer that I think Jalen still has potential to be. That's but that's who knows. I mean, that's yeah, a, who knows? Yeah, it's a two year gap between those guys. Yeah, too. he's just a glue Three. guy. He's a playmaker and teams looking for a guard. To come in and lead, like uh, again, you got to remember, it's not what he's worth to the Celtics. It's what he might be worth to another organization at 28 years of age, with tons of playoff experience, tons of what should have been, you know, ca- a captain career on the Celtics. They just don't have captains. There's a lot of value there. Winning plays, leading by okay. example. This There's, is two years down the road. We gotta. I get it. We could table you, it. I'm just telling you. We have to. We don't know. So many things. I mean, right now, I mean, who knows what could happen? I mean, injuries. Stop arguing with me because at the end of this deal, there's going to be a lot of salaries on the books, and he's going to be, he's going to be a stud. He is a stud, and he's going to. All right, all right. This broadcast (laughs) will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. And at CSL underscore Duke, a heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning oh. in. Remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff Woo. writer, Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Kyrie planning this scheduled mess, right? This injury, like it's a pre-planned injury on his lost season. He doesn't want to play in Boston. He still doesn't want to play in Cleveland, right? So he just sort of says, I'm hurt. And again, Marcus Smart might not agree with the criticism. He might have, you know, given him a little bit of a a flyer and said, you know, he was having a tough season. And there is a there is a slightly human side of me, or I should say, there is the human side of me that slightly <laughs> wants to consider Kyrie's situation. But then there's the other part of me that is like, dude, he is such a poser, and missing these games is not a coincidence. Period. Period. The end. Really? You don't believe it? No. You don't believe that when he no. says it's something don't be that, that he actually isn't he actually isn't like secretly doing something else behind their back and and working contrary to what he's publicly has stated, which is that he's hurt. I, I find this shocking uh, and, and I am I'm completely like flabbergasted that this such subterfuge could be happening with a man of character like Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> He is such a diva drama queen. Like I just don't get it. And Ken, you know, Paul Pierce spoke up about it. Kendrick Perkins spoke up about it. Like these are lifetime Celtics that are irritated with the way he respected the legacy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I understand why Danny Ainge is not 
you know, giving license to that and, and being like, oh, no, yeah, he, you know, he's, you know, they're not, he's not going to give in to those impulses because it, it's bad business for him. It's bad business for him to take on a rock nation or I don't know, whatever he is. Yeah, he's a rock nation client, uh, somebody who's well connected and well loved in the NBA community. It, it's, it would be completely stupid for Danny Ainge to do that. But he knows what's going on and and I think it's better for the organization to kind of be completely you know hands off with this situation and let the fans do what they need to do and we will and do you think he's faking the injury too early for it to really be a fake though I mean he no. missed several games I mean you're talking about a six or, I mean this team doesn't really care if they're successful this year right like they know that they're not going to win anything. So why not get a nice draft pick to pair with Kevin Durant and Kyrie? Cause they need a little help still. And uh, everybody else that's going to be an all-star level type team's got three, maybe four guys on it and they're out of cap space. So if they're going to do this, they either got to make miraculous trades with the players that are still on the roster, or they got to get draft picks or they got to do both anyway. Well, I don't think they're tanking. Do you think they're tanking? I'm not saying they're tanking. I'm saying that he could probably play through this impingement in yeah. general, and he doesn't sure. want to, and the team doesn't really see any reason for it either. Yeah, no, I think that – well, they've won over the last four. So, I mean, they're they're playing better, but no, I – Wait, I, hold I, on, hold on. A team playing better with Kyrie out? That's another shocker. Well, you know, that's – yeah. <laughs> I mean – Look, I think he is not. Uh, <laughs> he's he's so such yeah. a butthead. <sighs> you're like you're like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're like Beavis and butthead <laughs> over the Kyrie thing. No, but he's – it's not surprising they're doing better without him. It's not surprising they play differently without him. It's not surprising now that he's gone. It's what not surprising riot. that Stephen A. Uh, a. Smith is finding – is hearing things behind the scenes that they don't like Kyrie. It's not surprising any of this is happening. I don't think – I really don't think that Kyrie is trying to be a bad guy. I just think he just makes horrendous decisions he just over, is a bad guy. And over and over <laughs> and over and over again. Like I, I really think, I actually do think he doesn't um, purposefully do it, and yet he consistently does it. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's why people like him, but then they get tired of his 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 games and his nonsense, and they just realize there's no there there with him. So. I think it's entirely possible that he played this out himself. That yes, the shoulder hurts, but it just so happens that the last game of that, you know, if it's three games or it's four games, uh, you know, he can have his celebrate his favorite holiday and then come back and play against the Celtics just two nights later. What's the real problem with that? So <laughs> I th- I get it. And maybe they're hoping that the Celtics fans will be less concerned uh, in this situation um, as for when the Celtics play them host the Nets again later in the year. I don't well, believe that will be the, the case. The, the answer is this. Celtics Nation needs to go infiltrate Brooklyn Completely. because it's not that far away. Completely. So if you don't get to do it at home, do it on the road. Oh. Really just do the invasion. Do the if, green invasion. If the Celtics fans can go to 
Denver. Yeah, I was going to have Denver was crazy. Yo, let's go Celtics chance as loud or, or the Clippers too. Yeah. As loud as the home Nuggets fans or home Clipper fans. Like, I think we could get down to Brooklyn and make a little bit of noise. So I, I think that absolutely needs to happen. And let's just let's just juxtapose that with the Kemba situation and say, okay, so Kemba, you I'm sure you and I are like everyone, Friday night, we're sitting there thinking, Oh my god, here we go again. It's hospital Celtics times all over again. And now he's he was doubtful for today's game against the against the Kings. Imagine if Kemba plays Wednesday night after all of this. Kyrie's at home with an ouchie on his shoulder, and Kemba looked like he was, you know, just this side of paralyzed and Daryl Stingleyized of the whole thing. Goes out there and plays in an NBA game on Wednesday night. Imagine that happens. Can you imagine with the crowd who's already amped up and frothing at the mouth to go after Kyrie? What they're going to do for Kemba in that scenario? Oh, baby, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh. All right, well, all right, so let's talk about it. You got Brooklyn on Wednesday. You got Brooklyn on Friday, so we got to get down there. Still not going to see Kyrie, right? And he's likely going to miss both of those games. I don't know. I don't know about you that. You think he'll play one? You I think, think he'll, he'll play, play the one? He's oh, play the one God, Brooklyn. so lame. Okay, yeah, so of course. We're basically over the holidays, they're keeping the Celtics near home to play against the New York team. So it's about as close as they can be. Uh, they've got the two sets, you know, a home and away, broken by, broken, split up by Thanksgiving Day, and then next Sunday they got those great three in the afternooners uh, for the Celtics, and that one's against the New York Knicks. So three games, all against essentially New York teams. What's your what's your three and zero? Oh, regardless of Walker, are they too lean? Brooklyn gave us fits a little bit last year, played us tough. I say they lose the game without Kyrie and <laughs> win the game with Kyrie. I and knew then they say the Knicks are going two and one. I knew you were going two that. and one, and everybody's going to go hog wild after Thanksgiving over it. That's that is I could have that was so your call. You were so going to go there. There was no doubt in my mind that that was absolutely your your you were going to make that. Um, your read of things. Okay, well, look. I say Walker misses the first game, comes back for the second one. We all feel vindicated after a stupid loss against the Nets on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. That's how this all plays out. Two and one. Three and oh. The, the, the Nets wins have come over the Charlotte Hornets, the Sacramento Kings, which was a blowout, actually, and, and over the Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't care. Give me, give me the Celtics three and zero this week, bringing those, knock down those nets, and I think Kemba is gonna is gonna look just fine. He's gonna be playing on Friday. He's gonna look Kemba, He's gonna look Kyrie in the eye. He's gonna cook him a little bit. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be. There's gonna be no leftovers, baby. It's gonna be all Celtics. I am so pumped, so jacked. Fifteen and four to start the season. To end the month of uh, of November and with with seemingly Hayward on the horizon coming back, 
the and the schedule starts to get a little bit easier here in the month of December. I'm fifteen fifteen and four pace is a sixty win season. That would be fantastic. We Heck would yeah. love it. So more than that, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it'd be more than that, but you know, there'll be there'll be bumps along the way. You know, it'll be you know, sixty wins or sixty or sixty plus. Either way, they hit sixty wins. Ridiculous, ridiculous. So. All right, everybody, if you're still listening, John says. You're welcome. Oh, no, not again. Yes. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>